This is HPR episode 2166 entitled, How to Use a Slide Rule. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 15 minutes long. The summary is, by popular request, a description of how a slide rule works. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello everyone, this is Dave Morris. Today I'm talking about slide rules. And the reason I'm doing this is because back two years ago now, I mentioned the subject on a show I did, show 1664, and I was asked if uh, I could talk more about the subject. So as I say, it's taken two years to get to this, for which I uh, (laughs) apologise. It's probably, I don't know how interesting people will be, be in it. So it's a moderately dry subject, perhaps. So I'm not going to go into a vast amount of, of detail. I did use this slide rule as a schoolboy. In the 1960s, I had one. And um, it was the thing I, I mentioned and showed a picture of back in that episode. So let's start by looking at what a slide rule is. Slide rule is an analogue computer... And you can use it to do multiplication and division and a bunch of other things. It depends on the the um, sophistication of your slide rule. You can do, do quite a lot with it, just a basic one. But uh, I'm just going to deal with multiplication and division. don't really feel I'm qualified to, to get into very much more, to be honest. I don't think we use them to do anything very sophisticated as uh, school children in the, in the high school. Anyway, a slide rule consists of a... A device with a movable central part, a sort of slider, which runs through a central slot. The top and bottom areas, uh, above and below the the uh, slider, have got various different scales on them, which I'll talk about later. And the slider has its own scale as well. And there's a transparent cursor which you can slide up and down to um, make it easier to read off from one scale to another scale. That's the basics of it. They come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and um, there's a picture I've taken from Wikimedia on the in the notes. I've got quite long notes about this with lots and lots and lots of links if you want to delve into it anymore. So as I say I've still got my slide rule from my school days and it's a Faber-Castell model 1960s vintage. There's a picture of it from my previous show I don't seem to be able to find it anymore. Somewhere in the house, but I don't know where it is. It looks really battered. It was always carried in my school bag, and I used to cycle to and from school about a five-mile journey. So I guess all that shaking and rattling around really beat the hell out of it. Which is a shame, actually, because it's quite a nice-looking uh, nice device. 
So I was thinking about doing this episode. I had a conversation where I said something like, I don't think slide rules are much available these days. And um, I was challenged on this. So I went to look on eBay to see if they they were available much. Of course, I discovered they are. They're, they're, they're in the, the bucket load. And within an hour, I'd found one that looked really interesting for not a lot of money. £9.99 was the, the current bid on it. And uh, so I I put my bid of £9.99 on it and uh, and won it. Nobody else was interested. It's another Faber-Castell, mainly made of wood. And looking at the historical documents about these things, it was probably boxwood or mahogany. It's got a material on the face with the where the scales are, which looks a bit like ivory, but of course it wasn't. It was an early plastic uh, celluloid, most likely, I think. It's quite a lot older than my 1960s model. The The model number is, is in the, the pictures, and it's made in Bavaria, because it says so on the, on the cursor, and the vintage is somewhere around 1935 just judging by the model number. There's loads of information about the the history of these things, which I'll mention in a bit more detail later. So there's three pictures of it showing the front face with the cursor. It's got uh, red and black scales on it and a quite nice-looking cursor with a metal rim around the outside. The back, you can see the wood, and uh, it's got various numerical table-y things on the back which I have no idea how to use. There was no instructions with this. I haven't managed to find anything that really would teach me how to use it fully. And it's also got scales on the back for, for various purposes that I'm not entirely clear about. When you take the slider out, which is the way you identify these things, you can see the model number inside. You can actually use it for measurement as a ruler, and it's got um, millimetres and inches on it. So it's a, it's a strange and wonderful device, I think. Anyway, that's my Faber-Castell acquisition. So let's look at how a slide rule works. Basically, it uses logarithms, logarithmic scales, uh, to perform its various functions like multiplications and division. And I thought, well, we'd better digress a bit and talk about what a logarithm actually is. So a logarithm is the exponent to which a base must be raised, the power, really, to which a base should be raised in order to produce the number. So if we take an example, if the base is 10, which is which is very often the, the case, and a base 10 logarithm is called a common logarithm, and you write it as the word log with a subscript 10, then if 100 is 10 to the power of 2 then the exponent there is 2. So the log 10 of 100 is 2. And similarly, the log, the base 10 of 1,000, which is 10 to the power of 3, is 3. There's a Wikipedia page on the logarithm, uh, which I've referenced here, and it does a better job than I, I can do on explaining it, I think. So I'd, if you want to get deeper into this, then I would recommend that you have a look at that. Now, at the time I was using a slide rule back in the 1960s, we were expected to know how to use logarithms, and we were each allocated a book of log tables, which we used throughout our school life. I think I still have it, actually. I think we were, that was our... Because it get pretty taddy after six years of school, so I don't know where it is. It's somewhere in this house, as are many other things. Anyway, um, the log tables allowed you to 
look up the common logarithm of a number and also to convert logarithm back into a number. The great advantage of logarithms is that multiplication can be achieved by a simple addition and division is simply a subtraction. So I've used some formulae here which, which are, uh, are also available in the Wikipedia page. But I thought I'd add them here just in case you didn't want to dig into the Wikipedia stuff. And I also wanted to experiment with using LaTeX, LaTeX formulae to see if I could make them look reasonably nice. What it's saying is the logarithm to an arbitrary base B of X times Y is equal to the log of that base of x plus log to the base of y. So in other words, x times y can be achieved by adding the logs of x and y. And similarly, x divided by y, the log of that is equal to the log to, the, to that base of x minus the log of the same base of y. The only proviso is that the base and x and y have to be positive and b must be greater than 1. The base, that is, got to be greater than 1. So when we were at school, we didn't really get to use slide rules until we were a bit further into mathematics. And it, we, we used the log tables. We got given them very early on, in our first year or something like that. When multiplying two numbers, you take one of the numbers and look it up look up its log to the base 10 write it down do the same for the second number then add the two logs together and the result could then be looked up in an anti-log table to get the the product and um, I decided not to go into the whole anti-log lookup stuff but if you want to dig into that you can uh, there's a reference here uh, to as to what an anti-log table is and how to use it wish I could find mine actually because it would have been easy I could have taken some pictures of it and maybe explained it better there's also a wiki how article about how to use log tables which I've referenced here I thought it would be worth just mentioning that logarithms were invented by a guy called John Napier and he was an Edinburgh man I'm I live in Edinburgh he was born in 1550 he, uh, to parents who owned a uh, sort of castle-like, tower-like structure called Merkiston Tower or Merkiston Castle. And it still exists, though the, the grounds of the, uh, the original tower are now part of a university, which, not surprisingly, is called Edinburgh Napier University. It used to be Napier University, but they added the Edinburgh, presumably, to avoid confusion with all the other Napier universities. I don't know. The tower is part of the campus. Um, the uh, It's got various corridors and, and bits of the, the buildings sort of attached to it. But it, it looks very nice. It's been it's been refurbished and looks uh, looks good. I included a picture of it from uh, Wikipedia. So after the digression into logarithms, it's easy to, to say that a slide rule was a sort of way of using logarithms without having to go through the tables um, and a, as, a, as a short circuit, a shortcut to the, uh, the process of, of um, adding together logs of numbers. Now there's an excellent Wikipedia article about how to use a slide rule, which I've referenced here, but I thought it, I would go into a little bit of detail using my uh, new, new old Faber-Castell. So we know that multiplication is done by adding logs and 
The example, I've got a picture, is showing the multiplication of 3 by 2. So I'm using my slide rule and I'm using the upper scale and I've positioned it so that the, the 1 on the slider is positioned under the 2 on the on the upper scale. So that's one of the multiplicands. Then you look at the 3 on the slider and the answer is above it, which is 6, obviously. And I've lined it up so that the cursor is being used to show the, the number we're interested in. You can slide it along to look at uh, what 3.5 is. 2 times 3.5 would be 7. Slide it a bit further along to 2 times 4 would be 8, etc, etc. I used the upper scale in this case because it's just a little bit easier to, to read, I think, anyway. I also used the slide rule to demonstrate that you can you can multiply 3 and 2 together in the other order so that you can place the the 1 on the sliding scale against the 3 on the upper scale and then you can look along the sliding scale for the for the 2 and you see the answer 6 a bit further along you can see the 3 it's not very clear and you can see a 9 above it so th this is achieved by the fact that the scales are logarithmic if you do division, division is a um, slightly different process. And again, using the Wikipedia example of 5.5 divided by 2, and on my slide rule I've aligned the 5.5 mark on the slider with the 2 on the upper scale. And then you look underneath the, the 1 on the upper scale to get the answer. So I've aligned the cursor with it and you can see it's actually 2.75. Uh, hopefully that's clear. I, I think it is. That's what the cursor's for basically so it's easier to uh, if you stop your eyes sliding about and uh, missing the, the actual thing that you're, you're looking for. So I'm really going to leave my little tutorial on how to use a slide rule there and just mentioned that there are sources of further study if you'd like to dig into this anymore. The International Slide Rule Museum is a brilliant resource which I've referenced here obviously and uh, it's got many many things that a slide rule enthusiast can uh, delve into. Certainly uh, I found quite a lot of historical information about the slide rule I bought in there. There's also a self-guided course which goes into a lot of depth about how to use a, a slide rule and uh, they even cater for the, the case of people who don't have a, access to a slide rule by offering a, a virtual slide rule which I think is pretty pretty smart. The other thing I've mentioned is that judging by my experiences with this particular slide rule you should be able to find one for yourself if you really want to get into this and I would ha definitely have a look on eBay to see what uh, what you could find. Having bought this one I wondered if I should see if I could find a couple more, two or three more. I bought two more actually, around about £10 each on average so the two more cost me less than £20. One was in better condition than the other but uh, two more Faber-Castell models, more recent ones uh, not quite as as nice as this old one, 1935 one. But uh, you can see how, well, I can see anyway, because I enjoy collecting stuff, you can see how people could get quite um, infatuated with, <laughs> with the process of collecting these things. And I've referred to a bunch of people who do seem to have quite large uh, slide rule collections. You know, it's obviously a thing. 
maybe it'll become an antique and be worth lots of money these sorts of things i don't know but uh, they're not massively expensive now okay well i'll leave it there i hope you enjoyed that bye now You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.